Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome to I Lead the Way, a podcast where ordinary people come to hear extraordinary lessons on life, leadership development, and so much more. Today, you have the privilege, you have the honor. You, my friends, are in for a treat because I have the right now super future doctor to be, Mrs. Daphne Davis, coming all the way from Durham, North Carolina working at North Carolina Central University, even though I'm an Aggie and we are uh, a bit at odds in that sense, we are friends to the core. Ms. Davis, thank you so much for your time. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I am well, I cannot complain. Good, well, as my grandmother would say, it wouldn't help even if you did, right? I know, right? <laughs> so for those uh, that are listening and even those that might be viewing, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where, where do you come from? Where's home? Um, what do you do? How'd you get there? So, born in Baltimore, Maryland, mom was in the military, eventually got rerouted back to South Carolina where the majority of my family was located at, grew up in South Carolina, um, spent basically all my life there, and then due to an opportunity, I am here in dorm. Okay, so you're Baltimore. Now, how do you say, because in the South, people typically say Maryland or Maryland almost, how, how do you pronounce it being that you are from there? Maryland. Okay, because I've heard Merlin. I've heard Maryland. Like people just they the southern yeah. people. I'm not sure what's going on. They just kind of jack words up. But uh, so, how long have you been down here in the south? You said from Maryland. I will, you probably can say I was really raised here in South Carolina. I was born in Baltimore, um, but I, as a small child, I was brought to South Carolina, and basically South Carolina is what I know as home. Okay. All right. And what do you do? What's your what's your profession? What field are you in? I am in education. I have been in education for this is about my 17th year. OK. And how did you find your way into that? Was that a passion growing up? You know, in elementary school, they asked the kids, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Some kids say, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a teacher. I want to be a lawyer, or a pediatrician. Was that something that you kind of stumbled into and realized, oh, I've, I've got the gift of this thing? Or was that something that you were intentional about? Well, I grew up in a single family household where my mom stressed, and I cannot emphasize stressed, um, education so much with me and my three other siblings. Um, however, I don't think I ever really had career goals. I just kind of was floating, wasn't sure like what I want to do, even if I didn't even think I wanted to even have a future. Um, I actually dropped out of high school in the ninth grade. So you can imagine what that conversation was like in my household. How really? Okay. <laughs> it was very intense in my household because I made a decision um, at the age of 16 that mm, college, high school is just not for me. Um, not because I couldn't do the work. I just didn't think that I want to do it anymore. And so after many conversations with my mom and she realized she couldn't change my mind, I was like, I'm going to get a job in fast food. I'm going to take care of myself that way. I don't need, I don't need high school education. And so um, got a job in fast food and spent many, many years doing it and finally decided, okay, well, let me get my GED. Didn't take it serious at first. I thought that because I grew up in a safe household, the prayers are going to get me through. I don't have to worry about nothing because hey, my mom got a connection with God. My church members got a connection with God. So, hey, it's going to be a breeze. And that was not true. <laughs> I had to work for it and it was very hard. Um, but eventually I got my GED and I was still working in fast food, struggling with a capital S, living at home. Um, and I realized after I started the GED program that 
I was the youngest person in that particular class I was in. And that was very different for me because I had there was older adults in there that were trying to get it. And I couldn't understand why the older, why am I younger here? And so um, as I went through the program and I eventually obtained my GED, as I stayed, I was still in fast food, but I started getting to the point where fast food wasn't enough. Mm. And I would go into different stores and I got off from work, especially my uniform on. And I felt like other people that seemed like they were just all professional seemed so happy. And it made me wonder, why were they so happy? You know, they were all dressed so nice. And like when I would pass these people in different stores and I wanted to be a part of that. And so um, I got an opportunity one day to apply for a local school district. And I got into the school district and I worked as a teacher's assistant, um, worked my way up um, from teacher's assistant to other roles in education, spent almost 12 years of my life in public education. And I decided, I want more. Um, so as I'm going through public education, I only still had the GED and a couple of, I would say a few um, college credits because I still at this point didn't know what I wanted, but I knew I wanted something more. Um, and so I enrolled into a community college, met this amazing counselor who would see me standing by the wall almost every day or sitting on the floor because um, I was always an introvert. And so I was in, here I was now in community college and all I know is that I got a refund check if I came. So in my mind, <laughs> I'm about to get paid. Yep. <laughs> not fully understanding that it's not free money. No, it's not. <laughs> um, and that you still have to work for it. It's an incentive to help you along your journey. So I met this amazing trio student support services counselor who one day said, why don't you come to my office and, and meet with me? And went into her office, met with her, and the rest is history. I started attending their, their, their sessions, their workshops on things from financial literacy to career goals to etiquette classes. And then I had an opportunity to go with them one year to New York. And so for me, this was a big deal because I had never at this point been out of South Carolina. And so they took a group of students to Broadway in New York. And when I say that changed my country outlook. <laughs> Because here I was on Broadway, you know, you know, seeing limos and people in port and horse and buggies and they all dressed up. And to me, they were important. They had some place to go or something that they were doing that made them have this opportunity. And so it drove me to wonder what were they doing that I was not doing to be delivered life like this. And so eventually um, I stuck with community college, got my associate's degree, and I realized I want more. Um, went on, got my bachelor's. I was like, I want more. Went on, got my master's. I want more. Come on. That's where I'm at today as far as actively enrolled in a doctoral program, pursuing a doctoral in education, doct in educational doctorate. Um, because I realize now what a gift I've been given to help reach back and help so many others that don't understand that you may not get through your path the traditional way, but there is a path for you if you really want. You're going to have to work hard for it because it was not easy. Mm -hmm. um, it was definitely a challenge for me because I had to really learn structure. And although my mom um, always knew <laughs> that education was a journey I should have taken, and I fought her many years verbally saying, that's not what I want to do. That's your choice. Please don't bring it to my direction. My mom was an English teacher. And so here I was not realizing that this was the best decision I could have ever made. Um, to get involved into education. And 
as I stated earlier, spent 11 years in public education before I ventured over into higher education. And then I had an opportunity to work as a, I did, I had an opportunity one year to work as a trio student support services director. And so I was able to work a role that helped me to be able to pass that torch on to some others. Mm. So I definitely realized that um, had it not been for me actually meeting that trio support services counselor, I don't know if I would have gone as far as I did uh, or had the experiences or the opportunities to be able to network the way I learned how to network um, as a professional. Wow. That's a whole lot to unpack. I would start with just saying, um, for what it's worth, I'm proud of you for, for sticking it out, finding your way and, and carrying yourself, um, the way you have that, that that's a journey for real. When you say so I dropped out of high school, I was like, forget this. I'm out. You know, um, there, there are so many, you know, young people and adults in general that can identify with different areas where they just felt like this isn't for me, you know, mm-hmm. only to realize later, man, this is for me. Like yeah. this actually, this is, this is my deal. You know, it's a guy named Ryan Holiday. He wrote a book called The Obstacle is the Way. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he looks at it from, you know, kind of a, an old school, you know, like Socrates type, you know, mindset, very stoic. But the, I think the beauty in that title is that how many times have we all as human beings looked at something and said, there's a roadblock there. That must not be it. I'm going this way. When in reality, on the other side of that wall was that thing that you were looking for. Like on the other side of that wall was the very direction that you were supposed to be going the entire time. Um, but, you know, like we've all heard before, you know, God has a sense of humor um, and you know, he'll let us kind of weave our own way and think we know what we're doing. Like, okay, yeah, you're not going to do this. Great. You turn and you're right back where you started that. So um, let me kind of piggyback on something that, that you mentioned with that. You know, you you said, you know, there was a, a lot of turmoil going on in that house. And you said, listen, mom, I'm out, you know, two fingers. Um, what was the process for you, I guess, being able to step back in and say, okay, I'm going to give this thing a shot. Because there's so many people, again, that have stepped away from things, not just in the academic realm, but in life. But they, they're, they're afraid to give themselves a second chance for multiple reasons, which are a couple, I think, would be that some people think they're undeserving of a second chance. Some people think they can't handle, you know, the weight or the pressure of whatever that task might be, or that maybe they're not going to be accepted. You know, what, what would you tell someone that's wanting to, to begin again? The best advice I would tell, I, I have given or will continue to give is you have to start with the try. Hmm. Not going to be easy because even though I went on to get that associate bachelor's and master's, it was not easy for me because keep in mind, I dropped out of high school. So there was so many um, tools I had not learned and I had to self-teach myself um, as well as going to resources on campus or simply reach out to my professors and our instructors and saying, hey, could you please explain this a little differently? Because come on, when we say syllabus, a lot of times it's, it's these big old $50 words we may not understand but we're too <laughs> to say, what are they trying to say? <laughs> and so... For me, it became a practice to reach out to my professors or either go by their door and say, hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm in your class, so I just want to kind of introduce myself and, you know, like, is there anything extra I can do? Um, I just want to make sure I'm successful in your class. And students will never understand 
that goes so far with those professors. Mm. Um, and being a former adjunct professor for a first year experience course that I taught for two years, I taught that to my students as well. You have to make, you have to make that initial contact. You know, whether you are an introvert, don't allow imposter syndrome to stop you from evolving to the better you. Because we should all be evolving each year to that better version of ourselves. And you never get those things stuck in a box. My favorite philosophy is no, it was an opportunity to create that yes. Mm. But you have to be willing to do the work. There were so many times, even when I was doing my math, my graduate program, um, where I felt like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can go this far. It just seems too much. And I had to learn how to create a balance. Mm -hmm. And here I was a working professional at this point, still trying to hone in where I actually see myself in education and trying to master a master's. And oftentimes when you're in high school, you learn all your writing um, basics, the structure of how to do a sentence. And, you know, you got all your 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 persuasive writing papers, your, your your different types of writing styles that you learn to help you prepare for college for that for that intro English and that intermediate English and that upper level that you continue to progress in, in your educational journey. And I had to learn how to take breaks and how to take it one step at a time so that I could be able to understand what was a good system for me because everything won't work for everyone. You have to learn what works for you and work on perfecting that. And so there were times I would start a paper and cut my laptop off for a couple of hours, go for a walk, maybe watch a 30 minute show, but I had to learn how to create a structure for success. And that meant I didn't have a social life. It meant that I didn't go any place on weekends or, you know, I didn't have friends I could just hang out with on a regular basis because I was focused on my education and because I knew that I had a place to be and people were not going to mm. get me there. I had to put the work in to be able to get the favor and the doors open for me. Right. And you know, once you put the work in, nobody's going to ask you, did you get your degree 10 years ago, 15 minutes ago, or did you earn it all together? And so the key is not overwhelming yourself with the would have, could have, and should have. Mm -hmm. Or I wish I would have done something when I was younger, or I wish I was set up differently, or I wish I was, I was given more successful tools growing up where I feel like I wasn't, you know, supported off my family and friends. It doesn't matter in the long run, right? What you do, what work are you willing to put in? And it was it was intense. My capstone was like thirty pages, and here it was someone who didn't really understand like what am I doing here? Um, but to be able to not only complete my program but complete it with excellence and didn't have to struggle like I thought I was going to because I was willing to put the work in and stay up long hours and do what needed to be done. Mm. So I would. Yeah give that bit of advice to anyone who's wanting to do it, but realize there's some shortcuts. You're not going to get there overnight. Um, and it's a process. You make an advance earlier in your, in your program other than it required extended time, but there is no shortcut for the credit program you're trying to actually earn. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of programs online that say you can earn it in 24 hours in a sense. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> but don't do it. There's a difference between national accreditation and regional accreditation. Figure out what track you're trying to get yourself on and understand where it is you see yourself. And that's something I had to learn and I taught my students. If you're planning on staying in a particular state, what's the job market? Um, what is the, what is the um, average salary? Because oftentimes, you know, we have this mindset of when I get my bachelor's, I'm not making less than 100000 That's not reality. Mm -mm. Not necessarily. It depends on what you're doing. Um, but 
to be honest with yourself, you have to look at your the job market, look at where you're living at, and look at what's realistic, and then work from there. Make yourself as marketable as possible. Get your certifications. You know, you are the brand for what you represent. Mm. So you are only successful as you allow yourself to be. So for the for the scholars that are listening to this podcast, both now and in the future, this is 2022. So when you're listening back in like 2025, y'all better catch this earful that she just gave you because that was, as they say, that was just flat out game for sure. That one, don't live in this imposter syndrome mentality. And imposter syndrome in a nutshell, for those of you that maybe don't quite understand that concept, is feeling as if you don't belong, feeling as if maybe somebody somebody saw your application and kind of swiped it through and gave you a shot and just, and you don't really have what it takes to be there, you know, when in fact you do. And I remember um, feeling that when I was going through my, my master's program at, at Duke, um, I walked on campus and I looked around and I told myself, dude, like, what, what have you gotten yourself into? Like, I don't belong here. Like, I don't, I don't come from this. Like I come from, you know, a single parent household. My mom was working two and three jobs, you know, to make sure me and my sister were okay. You know, it was 4th of July all the time, if you understand what I mean, you know, in the neighborhood that I grew up in, you know, so like, I, I don't come from tutoring and resources and extra, you know, private schools. I don't come from that stuff. So when I got to that, that, that space, I looked around and I asked myself the question, man, like, wait a minute, I'm not sure that I belong here. Thankfully, one of my, one of my professors who I think he's either at Harvard or Yale now, his name is Dr. Jennings, um, shout out to Dr. J., he told all, actually, he invited all the, the minority students to his house that evening uh, during our first week of school in our, in our particular program. And he said, this isn't to you know, exclude anyone else, but he said, at Duke University, it's very easy to, to feel as if you don't belong. Yeah. He said, because you're not a majority here. And he wasn't a knock to the school. He was just keeping it real that, that particularly as people of color, living in the country that we live in, we can still feel out of sorts. So take that and put it into a capsule now where that's amplified, you know, in a place that's very aggressive when it comes to academics and expectations. Um, do we feel as if we have not a seat at the table, but can we create our own table? You know, so he said, listen, he said, I want you all to get your, your, your figurative knives out and carve your name into a tree. He said, take your shoes off and kick your feet up because you belong here. And when he said that, it was one of those freeing things as if chains, you know, that you didn't even know you had on you fell off your back and off your ankles and off your wrists because it's very easy to be your worst enemy, you know, to walk into a place and say to yourself, like you said for a little bit, I'm, I'm doubting, I'm questioning, I'm not sure, because the unknown is frightening for anybody. Anybody that tells you that I walked into this dark alley unknown and nothing crossed my mind, they're a liar. That you can talk to Navy SEALs that talk about being, you know, afraid of going through the door, you know, not knowing what's going to be on the other side of it, but still realizing that if they don't go through, then the people behind them are in trouble, you know. So there's there's a beauty to stepping into the unknown because now you get a chance to do exactly what you're doing and have done, which is you get to be the tip of the spear, you know. And yeah, you take the force first, but you know what? The people coming behind you now have a pathway that wasn't there before. And with the story that you just shared, and I'm gonna call you Dr. Davis just because, um, you know, it's, it's phenomenal because of where you started at. When you're saying, when you tell somebody, yeah, I dropped out of school first year in high school. Most people are like, oh yeah, I dropped out my senior year. You know, I dropped out of college. No, 
you dropped out right after middle school. <laughs> like that's, that is, that's bananas. Honestly, it really is. But I would not have known that had you not shared it with me because you walk in such excellence and professionalism and grace and power. But that comes through trials, you know, hard times develop, you know, hardened people that know how to work through difficult situations. So for, again, for those of you scholars that are listening, and even if you're not, if you're a business person, a businessman or businesswoman, or you're a parent or, you know, a, a faith-based leader, man, don't be afraid to start again. For one, don't, don't consider yourself as less than because you're not and use the resources. Something she said, you said, use the resources you have around you. And a lot of people find themselves making, the, making their own island. And I want to live over here and be it because you're afraid or because you've been burned in the past when you, you know, reached out for help. Or maybe sometimes you just don't know where to start and everything just seems overwhelming. But one thing you said was, I utilized the resources I had and I became my own brand. Students, if you're listening, you are a brand, whether you think you are or not. Katie, I'm not an entrepreneur. I didn't ask you. I'm telling you, you are a brand. If I say what's the slogan for Nike, everybody's going to say, just do it. Why? Because they have driven that into all of our minds. If I say you're cuckoo for what? Somebody's going to say Cocoa Puffs. Like you, you know it. It's a brand. So in that same sense, how you carry yourself on campus, how you carry yourself when you're going into, you know, professional development, you know, sessions or workshops or conferences, you were telling somebody something about you, even check this, even if you're not around the people that know you the most. And what I mean by that is like Dr. Davis and I were at a conference. I'm gonna keep saying it. Dr. Davis and I were at a conference and yeah, I didn't know her at the time and she didn't know me. I could have been acting a different way, but this is me. This is just how I am. She carried herself the same way she does when she's not on the screen or in front of people because character, like somebody says, is what you do when people aren't looking. It's also what you do when they are, you know? So make sure that you understand walking into a classroom. Now I'm gonna get on you because it bothers the mess out of me. Don't walk into a classroom with, you know, rollers in your hair and some slides on your feet and a SpongeBob, you know, square pants backpack. Don't, unless you're trying to be a cartoon illustrator, don't do that nonsense. Because when I was an undergrad, we, I could just, I could, I could name so many times when that my, my, my peers would walk into class and I'm like, listen, sure, maybe we don't all have some of the same resources and I'm good with that. There's no shame there at all. But I've seen you dress for an event. I've seen you dress for, you know, a party or whatever else. And you were slick to the T. Don't walk into class looking like, as my grandma would say, who shot John? You know, just don't, don't do that because you are your brand. And, and like, like she said, when that professor looks at you, he or she should be able to say that person takes themselves seriously. Because if somebody else looks at you and says, I'm questioning how serious you take yourself, they're questioning the same. So yes. yeah, that, let me jump off my soapbox. <laughs> this isn't about me, but because you, you shared so much. You said so much just now. Um, and I'm going to piggyback on the point about being a Black and Brown African-American woman. Mm. Um, I cannot stress enough to my females how important it is to make sure you carry yourself accordingly. Just because you're in college now, you don't know who or where your next opportunity will come from. Um, and as you said, you cannot dress how you feel. 
no matter how free you feel like you are, <laughs> you, you just can't because these are these are certain things people won't tell you, but will expect it from you sitting at a table wanting to get that, that job one day. It's a mindset. You have to change that fixed mindset to a growth mindset. Mm. It takes about 21 days for something to become a habit. Get into the habit of dressing for where you're going in life, not where you are, but where you see yourself going. And if you start in college, that transformation can be concluded by your graduation date because at that point, you should have had internships, possible job offers, and it has to be a total package. Um, it bothers me to see, my, to see young women um, who don't carry themselves. You don't have to dress put your dresses down to your ankles or, you know, you know, not wanting to let your beauty shine. Right. Know the place in, 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 the, in, the, in, the, in the location of when to do those things at. Mm -hmm. um, I've been very fortunate in my career, as I stated, to be able to um, network. And I've been fortunate to have some great men and women who are, who are great educational practitioners, higher ed that is, to be able to help mentor me and to help me. Because again, I did some work, but it takes people along that journey to help you also to understand things you have yet to foresee. You know, whether it is, you know, how to network or how to own the room when you walk into it, how to make sure you get the interview that you keep the job that you want mm. and be able to know how to successfully negotiate the salary that you should be able to get. These are things that you can maybe take a course in, but these are things you have to also work and have to show through your personality when you're interviewing for a job because you can have the book sense, but it has to be a total package. And what you do on social media will come back to haunt you. I don't care if it's an hour from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, it will come back to haunt you. You have to get into the habit of not voicing everything that you feel or do on social media. And I don't feel like enough people understand, especially our young people sometimes, that there's, it was my platform, who gonna check me? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's your page and it's free to create, but you don't know the ramifications gonna come later in life when you really want the opportunity because you change your image up. Everybody's not forgiving them that, and sometimes employees are not. Um, I had to learn uh, when I first started out, when I got my bachelor's degree, um, looking for jobs. I was so excited, and I didn't understand the true techniques of how to be able to own an interview. I was yes. hours, literally on YouTube, you know, looking at interviewing techniques and how to sit, how to speak, how to do this. And I was so much in my head that I, that I didn't realize that it took me a long time that I wasn't getting the jobs I wanted. Mm. It's like, I would get them interview here and there, but it's like, mm, not really getting the ones that I wanted. I will say roughly about three, well, maybe about four months ago, um, I started really doing some intense interviewing for positions. And when I say that through the power of my LinkedIn, uh, when I made my post about me looking for um, other opportunities, I started getting interview offers the same day I made my post. Um, and that post got like 10,000 views on it. Come on. Um, I went from, you know, sporadically in my past getting interviews to I was able to secure over 75 interviews in a matter of six weeks. I'm sorry, say that number again. 75. And even to this day, I'm still getting, hey, just, you know, are you interested in so and so, so and so, so and so? To this day, as I stated, that was about over six weeks ago. So I'm saying to say that you are your own brand and what you post can make or break you in the future. Um, but again, that comes from being able to surround yourself with like-minded people also who's going to help steer you in the direction that you're looking for. 
there's nothing wrong with, especially as a woman, if you see someone in a position that you want to admire to get to one day, reach out to them. Hey, I really like what you're doing. How did you get there? What do I need to do to be able to help myself to get in that position one day? We are our own worst enemies sometimes because we don't utilize our voice in the right ways. We utilize it, we utilize it for things that won't get us anything, um, but we won't utilize it to maximize um, where we can go. I heard a, a great um, higher practitioner say to me one time before um, that oftentimes we as individuals are so caught up with how many likes we get on our social media, but we will not be as concerned as how many, how much social capital we can gain. But we're more concerned with how many likes we get on that picture, on that post we made, but yet our social capital will be lacking because we don't put enough care and consideration into those things. Wow. I could I could take my microphone for the podcast and drop it, but it would mess up the audio. Um, that was so well said from every angle, but just to harp on one thing that is, again, it is, it is understated. I don't care what age you are or who you are, you better watch your posts. Oh my God. You better watch your posts. I'm saying that as someone that has sat in an interview with somebody else and I have watched them get thrown under the bus. They had an excellent interview. I mean, crushed it. And then the, the hiring person said, hey, do you mind um, just plugging your plugging your, your social media, you know, thing into right here so we can take a look at it? I say, I say, what? Like, why are you stuttering now? Like, what? Is there something that we should know about? Well, I just don't feel comfortable, you know, because it's private. Okay, that's cool. This private. We're not looking through your friends list. We just want to make sure there's no kind of egregious or outstanding things that you said you know, politically, spiritually, personally, whatever that, you know, would, would, and check this out, you all, that would put a smear or that would tarnish our brand. Because when you're coming into our company, you are now going to be representative of us. So we have to make sure that what you're putting out to the world, yes. check that y'all, the world, because social media is worldwide. So what do we have, like 9 billion people in the world? Everybody's got access to your stuff. Yes. So if you post something now, don't think somebody in Jamaica, Australia, Switzerland can't see what you just put up. What's well, private? Please. There are hackers everywhere. People can look at everything. So assuming that, well, I deleted it, it's not deleted. Like there there, are, there are, are fingerprints. They call them digital fingerprints everywhere. When something's posted somewhere, it's stored somewhere else that you might not have access to. So you can post that little video of your little, you know, rendezvous with somebody else if you want to or whatever it was, that mess. It's not can, it will come back around. There are people, look at the social media with the Me Too movement. Yes. There, there are people that are still right now being sued for something that they said or stated, didn't even maybe do it, but stated it back in the early 80s. And they're like, oh, well, wait a minute, Miss, Mr. Jones. It looks like you posted something that was racist or whatever when back in 1978, you're fired. What? You know, and yeah, you might be saying, well, Katie, there was no social media then. Cool. But there were newspapers and there were pictures. There were Polaroids. There were all sorts of stuff. The point is, when you leave a track record of something, make sure that you're doing something you can be proud of, yes. you can explain and has meaning behind it. Now, 
I have a, a TikTok page and I'll post, you know, funny videos or things about like my fraternity or, you know, whatever else or fitness, you know, enthusiasts. I can explain all of that to anybody. There's, I can explain it to my kids. There's nothing on my social media that I cannot explain. Mm -hmm. And if you cannot justify with a meaningful answer why you posted and did what you did or said what you said, it's best just not to say it at all. Absolutely. You know, um, it's funny you mentioned about the Me Too movement because we're like, you can still sometimes on social media see where people are experiencing the ramifications because of a post that he made or these public figures that made a comments years ago and they're now they rebrand themselves and their image has changed, but something has resurfaced because guess what? The power of screenshot is real also. Mm-hmm. You never know who is recording your stuff. And that we're not saying walk around and be paranoid, but it's important to make sure that you are truly responsible for you and that you are taking responsibility for the actions you make. Um, when I was um, getting um, my <laughs> education for my undergrads, um, I never thought about, as I stated, like, this is exactly where I truly saw myself. Um, but as I began to really hone into that, I started reading a lot of peer articles, you know, um, and just kind of staying in the know of like education, of things that's happening, you know, in the West and, you know, on the East Coast and just things, how the trends of education is changing and, you know, understanding about retention and also about first generation students and, you know, grants that are available to help students. And so I've been fortunate to be able to sit into the room with many politicians, college presidents, and truly be able to stand on my own. As mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier about if you cannot find a place at the table, are you in a position to be able to create your own table and it actually won't get shaken, you know? Um, but it goes back to what we're feeding ourselves. That's the point I'm making, what we're feeding ourselves. If you spend a lot of your time on things that are not as productive as it could be, you won't be able to be the person that you want to be once you actually get the opportunity to be where you want to be at. Mm. You have to, it's an ongoing process. You're never going to get there overnight. You're never going to read enough in a particular day. You're never going to read enough books in a particular day but being able to create that balance, you know, handle your social media if you want to. If you, feel, if you feel like it's not a problem for you, do you by all means. Right. But in 10 years, when you're not where you want to be at, pat yourself on the back and know you did that. Mm-hmm. Exactly where you want to be at because this is decisions you made to put you at where you're at today. Absolutely. And people think that that vision is something that, you know, is, is to be scowled at or that it's something that's very, you know, uh, minute and small. It's not. You know, the late Dr. Miles Monroe said that vision, you know, is a is a dream caster. Like vision is the thing that that determines your friendships. It determines the content that you take in. It determines the music you listen to. Like it determines so many things. And when you know what it is that you're pursuing and most importantly, why you're pursuing what you're pursuing, then everything around you should be able to morph itself into that. You know, it, it should, you should find a connection somewhere, yes. even with the fun that you have. And that's not, that's not limiting. It's the opposite. It's freeing yeah. because I think a lot of people, again, will feel as if, well, man, I, I'm locking myself down. If I only look at this, no, you're giving yourself the freedom to stay focused on something long enough to see if it's actually going to work or not. Because if you're double-minded, you're unstable. If I'm going left, you can't chase a rabbit. You know, you can't chase five rabbits. You got to pick one and go after that one thing. But I think too too many of us, myself included at times with different ideas and thoughts that I have, 
I'll find myself scatterbrained because I realize, wait a minute, Katie, you have too many things you're trying to do at the same time. Focus your energy and your attention here. Is this important to you? Yes. Put the pedal down and go. And then when I start moving towards that thing, if I realize, you know what, I'm getting close and I can see the details of it now. This isn't what I wanted. Cool. Shift, pivot, now go again. But just blasting out, you know, random attempts at stuff, like you said, not being focused on what you're doing, not making sure that, you know, the people and environments you're around are building you up and not tearing you down. That has everything to do with not only what you see, but ultimately how you see yourself. Because if you can't see the value of yourself enough to say, I don't need to be in this, or I absolutely have to be a part of that, then you're, you're missing something somewhere for sure. Absolutely. And even if you're not sure exactly what you want to do as a career, guess what? There are free career exploration assessments you can take online. So there's there's still no excuse. You may not know exactly why, but these free assessment tools will help you to be able to hone in on areas that are your strength and also reflect these are your weaknesses. And they might also reveal things that you never knew you could do that you actually have the ability to do. But it's all about how bad do you want it? Mm. How, bad, how bad do you want it? Absolutely. I agree with you. And just a few more questions. I don't want to hold you up to know you are, you're a working professional, but you know, you talked about how when you really focus your attention, your energy on marketing yourself, marketing your brand, you put that post up, you got so many offers. Um, how, what was it like for you to have to slow yourself down and not just jump at the first thing that you saw? Because so take, take just the market that we're in right now, not only job wise, but houses and people and, you know, post COVID and all that kind of stuff. I think of the interest rate of, of everything in life has kind of gone up. So I think whenever we feel as if something's going up and up and up, we feel like we have to jump on the very first thing that we get. What was it like, or how were you able to kind of keep your composure, walk that thing out with grace and say to yourself, okay, I know that I'm in a position to make a decision, but I don't want to, to undervalue myself or um, a potential opportunity, you know, by not giving something a chance or by moving too fast? How would you slow yourself down and stay grounded? That is a great question. Um, definitely my faith has a lot to do with 99% of the decisions that I make. I am a born again believer in Jesus Christ. So my faith influences everything that I do or say because that's just who I am. Mm. Um, and as again, it's a learning, it's a learning, le- it's a learning lesson you learn as you evolve to the better version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at this point in my life, I knew that um, I want to remain in higher education. Um, I know what my trajectory um, will be one day. And so it's important for me to make sure that I align myself with position that's going to take me there and not create a, a um, career suicide. Mm. So um when I started getting offers, of course, I was like, oh, I did it, I did it, I did it. <laughs> but um, I also did my homework to look at um, the cost analysis. If I were to move out of state or um, what the, the jobs, because sometimes you look at the, the dollar amount, like, oh, I'm paid. But mm-hmm. the city you're moving into, that might be considered poverty. <laughs> so it's important not to get too excited. Um, and also to make, make sure that 
if job offers are truly aligning with where you see yourself. Right. And so as I started getting offers, I would say, I will get back to you. Um, remain calm and not, um, you know, give them the indication that I was or was not interested, but also let them know that I know my work. That's so mm-hmm. important. Don't jump on every job because how many people do you know just in, in, in passing alone are in a position that feels like they're bored? And for me, I could not get into a position on board. I know I need to be in a position that I'm be able to be impactful and still allow me to do what I love. Um, and so as I continue to get off, got offers, I would, you know, I would pray about it. I'm like, okay, okay, God, um, I'm getting this offer. What do I do? Where, where do you want me to, where do you want me? And some, some positions played extremely well. I was able to um, visit different locations. Um, even when I declined some offers, was offered more money. Um, but again, you have to make sure that you're not being um, carried by what you think is the best, but knowing mm-hmm. it's a good fit for you. And everything has to line up because money does not, you may think that money may be the ultimate goal. There's nothing worse than doing a job where you're making good or decent money and you still hate what you do. Absolutely. So it has to be a total fit all around. And so um, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be, being able to. Um, decline because one thing I've learned is that you never know these people that are offering positions they may be here today but someplace else tomorrow so it's important to make sure that you follow up with employees when they reach out to you and also understand you know say I appreciate this offer but at this particular time I'm going to move forward in a different direction um, and that way you keep it in neutral so if something mm-hmm. else comes available you won't damage that potential line of offer from that particular employer or or damage that potential relationship with that person. And then again, they can be working for this institution or this organization today and someplace else tomorrow. And if you kind of dismiss them because you thought you didn't need them, because oftentimes people will do that. They feel as if they don't need a particular job or that their job is beneath them and they will dismiss it, not knowing that you have to cross that bridge again someday. You just don't realize it this year. Mm. Um, so I've learned how to be graceful. Um, and that comes through a lot of, humbling lessons, um, evolving as myself, you know, understanding that, um, that as an individual, I had to learn me. Like I had to learn who Daphne is, what Daphne want, what Daphne don't want. And to be able to grow and to, and to recognize that I had to leave, um, you know, the twenties alone and, you know, the early thirties alone and realize that the mature 40 plus Daphne that you see today is making better decisions today than she did then. Um, and it's also knowing how to handle people, like you said, gracefully, so that as I'm pursuing these opportunities, I'm not damaging relationships, but I'm also creating that social capital so that eventually, if I want to go someplace else, I can reach back out and say, hey, you know, we, we spoke a while black and, you know, this wasn't, it wasn't a good fit at the time, but what do you have open at this time right here? Mm-hmm. You just never know um, where relationships can, can end or begin it. So that was something I've learned along the way. And again, it comes from having that circle of people who are in my desired field to be able to say, okay, Daphne, when you get to a job interview, don't talk about money right the bed. Don't do that. Or don't get, throw out a dollar figure right away. You know, learn how to be able to um, master that part of the conversation and be able to make sure you're not um, shortchanging yourself. So again, I will say to anyone that's looking to figure out what they want to do and how does that work, make sure that you surround yourself, if you can, with people who are going to be able to help shift you to your next level. 
because having that social capital is sometimes worth more than being able to sit to an actual room to interview because that social capital can pick up the phone and get you to interview that somebody else will never get one day. And mm. that's just reality. So um, definitely being able to, as we said, um, get the education, um, know your branding, know what you post on social media. All of these things are still connected because oftentimes we know that career centers on college campuses, right? Mm-hmm. Or give you help you get those internships and maybe even help you to get addressed successfully for that interview. But if you don't know how to con- how to conduct yourself, you'll never be able to master getting the position that you want, or be able to actually walk away with offers that are on your what you think your level is. So being able to, again, you have to shift your mindset um, from high school to college to young professional to a mid-level professional to a seasoned professional to know that opportunities will come but don't jump on everything because it looks good make sure it's a good fit for you mm, that's that's so true there, there are levels to it mm-hmm. and the, the key word that i took away from what you just said is fulfillment yes. you know because there are a lot of people that i know um in different fields and they make bank i mean they just upward, you know, 100K, 200K, some that are doctors, 300, 400K, you know, a year, but man, some of them are just miserable. They are, they honestly are, they are miserable. Um, And it doesn't mean that things are always going to pan out and work the same way that we hoped it would. This is the vision I had. I achieved that thing. I got there. I made it. And then wait a minute, you know, this, some, something's missing. That's part of life, y'all. It's part of life. That when you get to a you get to a destination, sometimes it's not. Sometimes the movie isn't what you thought it was going to be. You know, like I was the trailer sold me. I paid my money. I went and I sat down, and it was the worst movie I've ever seen. Sometimes it's the same thing in life. You're right. You felt you got robbed. Like man, they they you you got me. You know, it's a, it's a wooden nickel. You know that I I got you know for this thing, but at the same time, knowing that if you're still breathing, you still have time until you don't. Like plain and simple, you, if you're still breathing, you got time until you don't. And, you know, if we're going to sit back and assume that something's going to fall into our lap, that's an assumption. And we know what those first three letters spell. And that's exactly what you're going to feel like if you continue to do stuff like that. But having the, the, the audacity to try, you know, um, goes far beyond anything like you said, uh, that, that might seem very grandiose on the surface level but knowing who you are how you carry yourself put it like this when you leave a room can somebody speak up for you and talk about how excellent of an individual you are that's a question you should be able to ask yourself when you leave the room are they talking about you or are they talking for you uh-huh. it's, it's two different things because if somebody's like oh well now now Daphne's gone man I can't stand her she's doing this and she thinks she all that is there someone in the room that would say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You're talking about someone that carries himself with humility, dignity, and, and confidence. That's a leader in her field that, that has the courage to step out into the unknown. Like, will people talk about you or will they speak for you? And that, my friends, ultimately is based on A, how you carry yourself and B, who you surround yourself by. And we'll beat that horse until it is, you know, just numb in the mouth. But the reality is still the same that that you you are who you surround yourself by and newsflash if you are a loner and you surround yourself by yourself you are who you surround yourself by absolutely so, go ahead you know you just said a mouthful just now because 
There's so many lessons to learn about this world we call Latin and, uh, and, uh, and the pitfalls and the paths and the, and, the, and the journey, but it's all, it's all our own individual story. And you have to be willing to make your story the best story possible. And you're gonna have plenty of chapters that you just cry and it's like, it's not working out, it's not working out. <laughs> I can recall when I was getting my undergrad, um, again, I was not um, <laughs> the smartest in the sense of like knowing the nuances of how to um, construct uh, um, a paper. And I remember I was trying to do something so fancy. I was, it was a, it was a music class, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, on my coverlet, I'm trying to make it all called colorful and, you know, create my cute little borders and that's not necessary. Um, but what I should have been doing was making sure that I, I knew the, diff the difference between an APA and an MLA format and making sure I was able to give credit for the um, work of someone else I was um, implementing. And so although I had the, the quotes in my writing, I didn't have it cited like it needed to be. And I remember I failed that, um, I remember I, that I failed that writing assignment. And I remember I felt so crushed and so devastated, like, how could you not understand? I try about this, I try about this. But that was a learning lesson for me because I had, again, it's all about um, knowing what it is that you need to work on and then understand that you're going to make mistakes in life. Mm -hmm. And now the, the key is what do you do when mistakes happen or when the journey don't go as planned? Because a lot of times people will let you see the highs on social media. You know what I mean? They'll let you see, oh, they got this going on, they got that going on, but you don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Like, I know people that know me now as Assistant Dean Davis, but you don't know the one who's a high school dropout who should have been a statistic according to mm. um, the world we live in. But you don't know the struggles I had behind the scenes to try to get myself, you know, on that journey and the no's I received or the long nights I'm, uh, you know, trying to type a paper and faulty internet and here I am trying to submit a paper at 11.59 and oops my internet go out at 11.55. <laughs> Check on my paper. You know what I mean? So it's like understanding balance and time management. It's things you learn sometimes along the way if you're not structured for that um, at an earlier age. So understanding that you don't wait for the last minute to do certain things. You know, understanding give yourself grace. Give yourself um, time to complete assignments. Give yourself time to look for the best job that's best for you. Go to events that's going to help propel you to um, organizations and um, networks that really fit where you're going in life. Don't just say, oh, I don't need to go to professional development. They don't need me there. Your voice is needed at the table, but you'll never know that you keep looking at yourself with the imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. So all these things coupled together will help define you and help shift you into your next level. But you have to put the work in. Um, I don't care if you know three archbishops and three <laughs> presidents, you people can help promote you in a sense of putting in that word, that favor to help get your interview, but only you can maintain that position by your work ethics and your character and your integrity and actually know what you're doing. Because what's the use of someone putting their neck out there and, and recommending for something? You don't have the skill set to do it. Make sure you have the transferable skills to be able to help get you where you need to go because Otherwise, you're doing yourself a disservice. You know, outward mobility is available for everyone, but how bad do you want it? Absolutely. Key. That was a, that was a, 
as they would say, the, the nail in the coffin for sure. Um, and the only thing that's in that coffin are our doubts and our fears and yesterday's mess because you can't drive a car forward effectively looking in the rearview mirror. So I would say to anyone that's listening, like she just said, you know, let's not find ourselves, you know, driving forward, looking backwards because you're going to crash into whatever's in front of you. And the reality is, you're going to hit some bumps in the road. You're going to have a couple of things that say no, you know, to you. But as she said earlier, you know, no is motivation for yes. And there's only but so many times somebody can tell you no before that door has to open. And if they refuse to open the door, you can either kick it down or create your own. It's one of the two. Um, and that has been my philosophy that if there is a space that is not open for what it is that I believe I have to offer the world and the gifts and talents that God's given me to share with others, then I will create my own door, um, because we're still creators ourselves and we, we have miraculous DNA on the inside of us. And I would challenge you all to do the same thing. Uh, and I say it again, that Dr. Davis, um, has, has done and continues to do and that's one, you know, have a core and something that keeps you centered, you know, for her and myself, it's our faith um, that keeps us grounded so that when we feel like we're off kilter or we're offset, there's something bigger, greater that we can both lean on. Um, because if, again, if it's just you, who and what are you leaning on? Yeah. And some people say, well, you know, I, just, I lean on myself and I'll tough it out. Your energy is going to run out at some point in time. Your tank is going to run dry. Your mind is going to go blank. It is going to happen. And if you keep running an engine with no oil in it, it is going to lock up. Mm -hmm. So I would challenge anybody to make sure that you have that core, you know, and you know there's something that can keep you grounded when the storm comes. What's your anchor? Um, and not only have your anchor, but surround yourself by the types of people you know, by showing yourself to be friendly. Some of y'all like, I ain't got no friends because you're a jerk. You carry yourself like the meanest person in the world. Why would somebody come and want to talk to you? Can I sit down with you at lunch? If you want to, well, okay, then I guess not. Let me, let me not sit with you. So maybe sometimes we're shooting ourselves in the foot, people, and we're saying, oh man, well, I don't have any friends. Well, look in the mirror. How are you showing yourself? How do you present yourself? And if you're one of those people that say, well, Katie, I've done that before, you know, but I, I got burned. I hate to be the bearer of reality for you, but it's a part of life, y'all. Like we're in, we're imperfect human beings. We are not going to nail it all the time, but also keep in mind that while I'm not being harsh or critical on you, I'm also saying that we typically attract what we're putting out. If I'm going fishing and I toss some crickets or a worm or something on the end of the hook, I'm going to catch a fish. But guess what? You also might catch a snapping turtle, you know? They're in the same environment. So Katie, I was doing the right things, but I still ended up here. Sometimes it's just because that wolf was amongst the sheep, you know, but and in the same space that you need a second chance, give other people a second chance too. Um, because in doing that, you now open yourself up um, and you can still open yourself up with, with, a, with a guard to make sure that you're not overexposing but at the same time, making sure that you don't block off everything. If you just submit and seal every crevice of your life because of a past, you know, hurt or a past trauma or a past issue that came up, then you end up doing yourself an injustice and you now close yourself off to something that maybe you needed to be opened up to in order to heal correctly, which is a whole different conversation we'll have to have. Um, 
But man, that that piece of saying, I'm willing to try, as she said in the very beginning, is your very first step. So if you're like, where do I start, Miss Davis? Where do I start, Katie? Start with the try. Try what? I'm not sure. I can't tell you everything. But what I will tell you is this. You won't get there if you don't start with the try. So, is there anything you want to add as we close this thing out for our, our listeners today? Yes. Uh, one, one final thought I'll let leave with you all um, is, again, um, it's not about where you, where you come from, it's where you're going. Mm. Um, one of the things I, I learned along the way was to also um, create goal journals um, because I'm a visual person. And so I would, you know, again, my faith, write the vision, make it plain. Mm -hmm. And so I would have this vision board in my bedroom so that I can be to look at what my vision is for the entire 12 months. Um, and I will write things down because I believe if I can see it, I can manifest it. Um, and you are what you speak. You know, don't allow the overwhelming thoughts of I'm not there or I, I don't, I have this barrier or I have this going on to make you feel as if you're not capable of rising above your current situation because that chapter is not going to last forever. It may last you a couple of seasons, but it won't last forever. I'm a living witness that had I not stepped out the bounds of what I thought would be my career, which was in fast food, I don't know where I would have been, where I would be at today. Because even though I had a mom who was educated, who was pushing me to have a career, I wasn't trying to hear it because I was not in the I was not in the place to receive it. And so receptivity is another thing. You have to be receptive when someone's trying to give you good, helpful advice. Mm. And so being able now to realize that if I would have listened to my mom years ago, please don't uh, please don't tell what I'm saying. I'm just, <laughs> I would have been probably much further ahead, but again, I'm not going to beat myself up for that because I'm right where I need to be at today. Yeah, I would have never thought that high school dropout Daphne is an assistant dean at a very, um, at a very um, prestigious HBCU today. Mm. So, don't give up on where you don't give up on your dreams and goals. Create dreams and goals. Mm. Think big. Don't feel like it's never going to happen to you. Go online. Do your research. Prove to yourself that you're more than what you what you think you are. Surround yourself with people who believe in you, who can help empower you, help give you the tools to be successful. Because sometimes we do come from disadvantaged backgrounds. We feel as though we don't know the first clue. And I shared that earlier by thinking that by going to college, I'm getting free money. And mm -hmm. so that's another thing. Not being able to manage money can also help put us into barriers that prevent us from actually moving forward in other directions. So being able to help have people who can help keep you accountable that is so that is that's priceless you priceless value on on those kind of relationships yes it is don't tell yourself no speak it see yourself doing it manifest it and know that it may not happen in 30 days but it can happen if you're willing to do the work and don't give up no is not an option it's just an opportunity to create that yes that is an awesome, awesome statement that um, I think anybody can pull something from that. If you can't, then you need to open your ears uh, again. Um, one last question for you as we close it out, as I ask um, most, if not all of my guests, in what way are you leading the way? So that means that, you know, where do you see yourself as being a leader? If somebody was to look up and say, you know what, 
there's one area of Daphne's life for sure that she's leading in and man, I can follow after it's in this area. And it could be in anything at all. It could be in faith. It could be in food. It can be in, you know, I don't care. I, I cook a mean macaroni and cheese, whatever it is. But what, what is it that you would say about yourself that, you know what, I'm a leader in this space. I know for sure. I would say I am a transformative leader. Mm. And, you know, who I am is who I am, whether it's at home, whether it's being active in my, my local church, or whether it's on my job. Um, I believe in going into environments and helping to create an extra spin on it um, and being able to see where I can come in and make um, things even more enhanced and better. So for me, being able to, on my job, um, coming in and providing robust programming for students to help keep them engaged. That's not, that's not only going to help them to be motivated, but it's also going to help with retention because the students are going to feel supported and they're going to feel that they have an outlet to go to. So um, again, being able to come in and transform lives is who I was created to be. Um, and so I try to take it one step at a time and again, um, seeing where I can um, make changes at and moving accordingly, not necessarily coming in and making changes overnight, but being able to see where there's a need at and see how I can be a good fit for that for that change. Mm, I love that. When I have the opportunity to be, you know, workshop presenter, or keynote speaker, or just coming in to do a training succession for, you know, professional development or what have you, um, I always think of myself as a thermostat, not the thermometer. You know, the thermostat is the one that's actually able to change and shift the temperature in the room. The thermometer can only read it. You know, um, it can tell you that it's hot. It can tell you that it's cold, but it can't do anything about it. But the thermostat says, I have the talents, the giftings, and the abilities to shift this culture and change this atmosphere for the good, uh, if I'm willing to put in the work and apply the effort and energy. And that's absolutely something you're doing every single day. So continue to do what you do. Um, we support you. We appreciate you. And we are excited to have you uh, on the podcast. Say so thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I truly enjoyed it. Thank you so much. For sure.